1: Hello friends, welcome to an episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Today I am joined by one of my Twitter friends, someone I have followed this year and enjoyed her tweets a great deal. This is We're joined by SJ, who is one half of the 21 Going on 77 podcast. I'm going to have your co-host on at some point this summer. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on.
1: Well, I was circling through our like DMs. We've been talking about this for like four months, <laughs> yeah. um, and it just you know it's really hard to do stuff in season. And I because I, like I have my own BS that I churn out, and then I, I stopped. Uh, I like came home from summer league and then promptly stopped. And, and then my wife was like, you probably should record something. And <laughs> I remembered you and I'd been talking and you're the first person I've wanted to talk to. So we have a lot we could talk about, but let's kind of start with some recent stuff and go backwards. Did, did you watch any of summer league or did you uh, relieve yourself of, of that uh experience? <laughs>
2: So I watched, I missed the first two games like live. Um, I was on vacation, so I didn't get to watch those live, but I went back to watch them and I caught the third game. But by the fourth game, I tapped out midway through then and I did not watch the last one.
1: You and I had the same experience. I offloaded games four and five to staff and then no one wrote about game five at Money Moneyball. <laughs> Uh, which got me some snarky emails from my bosses. But like at a certain point, particularly with kind of the roster they put together, there's just like nothing else to see. But but understanding that, what did you think of the Jaden Hardy experience?
2: So I was on cloud nine after the first game, like most people were, um, because it looked like we got a steal. And I mean, I still believe that, but honestly, it went about as you'd expect because he was on a team not different from team ignite granted the talent is probably a little worse too yeah (laughs) um... i I
1: think exponent like like significantly worse if we're being honest
2: yeah so with that being said it's not a surprise his efficiency suffered again i mean he should have made more shots but still i understand why you know he put up similar stats as he did you know in the g league which made people concerned in the first place but i don't know i feel like um he's he's still okay because as many people say or have said he is not going the role he's been in especially on like on summer league on ignite like that's not the role he's gonna come to the match and play like he's going to be you know an off ball scorer um getting his opportunities that way and he said it and the staff has said that and in summer league he played off ball quite a bit um it's not like he was on a ball all the time right whatever. Um, it's still like, he's going to be in a much, um, low pressure role. So we hope that would help. So we'll just have to see, I don't think he was going to play much though. People thought he could have come in and not be an outright run to replace her, but like kind of, um, you know, help in that area. But I don't think so. (laughs) Not at all.
1: No, I, I tend to agree. There's, I'm looking forward to seeing him in situations where he can make like one quick decision. Because I, I sort of feel like as summer league wore on, and the longer he would have the ball in a possession, the less likely something positive was to happen. Because in that first game, and, and I think you said you went back and rewatched it, he put his head down and just got to the rim. Mm-hmm. And and looked really nice. It was decisive. And then teams kind of started throwing, a, you know, shading over to him a little bit more. And he he had a lot of turnovers. And that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, turnovers are what they are. But I, I it's funny. I hate younger players i just can't help myself i get really grumpy like the josh green experience has not been for me but i i think i said this last night i i like i like like the frame of what we're seeing from from jaden hardy because let's let's just my baseline for him next year is like 35 games played and maybe 10 minutes a game i think he spends like all season up in frisco and then comes oh. down fairly frequently what do you think
2: I I think so. I hope so. At this point, I think that would do him well. Like you have seen it with um, you know, I I don't want to make this comparison because people might say it's lazy. But you see that with like Jordan Poole. how he spent pretty much a year in the G League getting his confidence up and was mm-hmm. able to become a big contributor. So I could see that kind of trajectory for him if they like really commit to sending him down there because they sent Josh Green for a couple games. I know his situation was a bit different you know with the pandemic and stuff but sure still, I I would hope they commit to setting him down there because I mean he could learn on the bench on the main roster but I would prefer him playing in competition at this point
1: right you have to play basketball in order yeah. to get better at basketball like that's Josh Green's you know the pen pand- you're always I always forget about the pandemic and Josh Grant's why he didn't have one year of summer league and you know, with the fact that he also just hasn't played that long period but but Hardy has a lot of experience. It's just him getting in specific like specific kinds of experience that I'm looking forward to to seeing if he can do um, I'm trying to think because I really liked. It's it's funny, he just looks like he he is confident playing basketball. Summer league yeah. is an interesting experience. I know you and I have talked. I hope you get to go someday because you see a lot in these players where there's guys out there who are who who are just they don't really look comfortable on the floor, and it starts to show really quickly, and then they don't get to play much. And it was like Ricky leto kind of had this experience when he played way back in the day, but Hardy really. Or, uh, Hardy really looked comfortable and there's something to that level of confidence that, that gives me, you know, sometimes a little unearned, but I would <laughs> rather a guy be confident and then be brought back down to earth through some experience than need to be pumped up and, you know, uh, it's like Green always needs to be told to shoot. It's like, man, like, nothing's bad's gonna. I mean, something bad might happen if Josh Green shoots, but I would still rather see it than like the pump fake to nowhere type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, was there anyone else on on Summer League you like? Because I know our our buddy Dalton right now is 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 uh, cons- irritated that the Mavs haven't signed AJ Lawson to a two way. I really like the guy, but I just I he's so skinny, so like NBA is a big boy league, and he's like 160 pounds soaking wet.
2: Uh, yeah, but I mean that's. Oh, like... it. Yeah, but that's, like, not to, like, th- listen, he looks like he has talent, and that team looked like it was void of any talent, so... Right. He stuck out, definitely, but, um, I mean, the weight thing, he can was gain weight. <laughs> like, I don't think that's, uh, too much of a turn. Granted, I don't think he's going to, like, even if we did sign him to a two-way, I don't think he's gonna come and, like, be this huge gem or anything. He probably won't play at all, but... I would like to see it go to him if they were to pick someone, especially from this summer league team, just because he's played for it. Like I think he's deserved it. He's been like outside of Hardy, of course. um, He's been the rookie that's been the most impressive, even over some guys that, you know, we've seen before, like, um, like a Moses, right. I think Marcus, um, his last name, I'm going to attempt it, but. He um he was pretty good too. I think those were maybe like the top three rupees outside of Hardy. Um but I think AJ Lawson pretty much yeah. all of them.
1: It was fun. It was fun. Like I really like his shot. A lot of confidence in the yeah. shot. And and I don't know. I'm very I'm very much stuck on confidence with younger guys right now. It's just sort of sort of my my thing. Um and now I guess we should, you know, and you and your your co-host talked about some of this stuff on your show and i'm gonna link to your show in the show notes and everybody should go subscribe you guys how often do you guys report
2: um it's supposed to be every week but we take breaks like some weeks because of stuff that we have to do yeah so it's like every week or every other week
1: well, I mean, that's where I get into the most trouble is when there's nothing to talk about, and I say something I shouldn't say, so yeah. that that I can. And we're kind of we're we're sort of on the the edge of the abyss for basketball for a while because Luca plays in the Euro Cup at the end of August and early part of September, and we're basically waiting for anything on the uh, Kyrie KD front. The Mavericks have one open roster spot and things, you know, we're we're just sort of like hanging out. doesn't seem like there's going to be much Dallas basketball movement. And with that in mind, like, what do you think of their offseason to date? Because this is sort of the genesis of our podcast, where we were talking about team building. And I think my early take was that I, I don't think they're going to be bad by any stretch, but I, I do. I am just sort of confused at the hand-waving about you know, oh, they'll be fine without Jalen Brunson. What what do you think's going on here? What's your kind of early read before we actually watch basketball play for next
2: season? Well, um, I I mean, there's been a lot of mixed reactions, um, but I fall in the camp of I really really hope they're not done, and I'm sure Luca <laughs> does too. Um, if you know, you know. Yes. But um, I just think they like the Ross like for a couple seasons now, I've felt like the roster, like, there's just this huge roster imbalance. Like, if you're looking at it from not just, from many angles, actually. Like, roster imbalance in terms of, if you're looking at shot creators versus play finishers, there's an imbalance there. Even more so that, um, I don't want to say his name, but he who shall not be named, you know who I'm talking about ever since he left, um, we have a bigger imbalance with shot creators versus play finishers, and we also have imbalances like with positions now too, which is why most people feel like they're not done. Because we have a million centers and this like last season we it's funny because we started the season with a million centers and ended it with like one and a half really because Maxi, depending on who you talk to, <laughs> like he's not really a true center, of course Dwight Powell, there's a lot of conversation about him. So the our positions and just the essence of the team has been weird. Granted we've had success um, especially last season but the roster is just weird and everyone would hope that with um you know that guy leaving um he, we would have had a backup plan um but it seems as if at least right now with nothing happening it seems seems as if they felt like they can make up that production in-house especially with what they did with the wood trade yeah but i don't like that plan because like Even though you know we can say whatever, I'm not gonna lie about you know Brunson, but he was a good player, and it's different saying that like when Tim went out with injury, yes, we could have made up Tim's points and production in house, and we did like just the way how Tim plays, the fact that we had Reggie Bullock kind of waiting, he um he kind of took off as when Tim um that's right, you know, went down so. We and then Josh Green started to play better, so we had guys that couldn't make up what Tim does. Brunson was a different story. Like obviously Dinwiddie was the hedge, so they had been kind of gearing up for Brunson leaving. I don't at this point. I think we can kind of say that they had been. It it was a thought in their mind, especially with Dinwiddie hedge, and but Dinwiddie, I I just feel like we're gonna hate him. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm so sorry we we are going to dislike him next season because I like
1: this this he, is this is my jam because uh, Dinwiddie first of all for anybody that doesn't realize it Dinwiddie played out of his mind with the Mavericks go look at exactly. his. he sh- he shoots for his career 41% from the field 32% from 3 with the Mavericks in 27 games he shot 49 and 41 like that's not like Luca might be able to get him better shots. I think he'll be taking better shots because I think the mm-hmm. offensive system works. But there's a, you know, production aside, there's a thing about Dinwiddie, And my, my theory is that he's the kind of coworker that when things are going great, he's fantastic. But mm-hmm. when things aren't going great, he's fucking annoying.
2: hmm I mean, that was kind of evident in, in Washington. hmm
1: Nobody wanted to come out and say cuz these guys are all some level of professional but they want they were not interested in his brand of leadership whatever that was. I don't really know cuz I'm not really, you know, Bradley Beal seemed to have a completely different kind of leadership. That's a different discussion for a different day, but it's just it's one of those things where you wonder how, you know, what if they take a bump cuz the Mavericks really only experienced high times with with Spencer and mm-hmm. right now he's the backup I mean, he's the only other ball. He's the only other shot creator. I mean, unless we're going to let Josh Green run some point, which I think might be fun, um, there's really nobody left. And I don't like the level of expectation that gets put then on Dinwiddie. And then, you know, kind of downstream slightly, Christian Wood, who we went from being Mm -hmm. really excited about what he could do to being excited about what the Mavericks need him to do.
2: Yeah, and that's what, like, like you said, he, it was all great when we thought Wood would, you know, be a third, fourth option, but now he's a second, third option that, mm-hmm. you know, takes him up a peg, and, I mean, people think, you know, he can handle it, especially playing next to Luka, you know, you know, shots are going to be better, all that, like you said, but we've seen Christian Wood with increased usage, like, that's the Houston Rockets, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry, we we've seen it. And I just like things. I feel like with how the roster is right now, like the offseason is the honeymoon season. Well, for most people, I haven't felt that way in, in a while, which is a little saddening because I would like to be in a honeymoon phase in the offseason. Yeah. However, some people do are in that phase anyway. And for those people, you're probably thinking on the optimism side like, if everything breaks right, you know, we can do this, we can do that. But we know that everything is not going to break right, like, in a season. And I think – Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying I think we're treading on delicate waters in terms of, like, we're banking on certain guys who haven't played X amount of games in years. We're banking on them to be healthy. You know what I mean? Like, Spencer, yes. is he going to load manage? Like, he's coming off ACL. We're all talking about that. Like, is he going to load manage? You know, Luka's going to miss his games. Like, Wood hasn't been the healthiest either. Um, You're, like, going down the line. These are, like, we're talking about, like, Brunson, who did not miss games. Like, he played right. 79 games. Like, I think there's those aspects that people are underrating as well when looking at the bigger picture, is all I'm saying. Well,
1: and and then this this comes to – I have one of your tweets pulled up. I'm not going to read it because reading tweets is always weird, but it's the notion of the team as constructed. Luca, it's basically constructed for Luca to play 70 games or else this team is going to take a a dip. And here is where and and this this is one point that I wholeheartedly agree with you on. And I normally like to argue with my guests, but this is it, it most Just a lot of my national media friends all sort of like have Luca as a baseline, which I think it's a good one. You know, I I, I don't think the Mavericks, you know, they don't sink below 500 if Luca plays 70 games like that's just sort of where my head is. But you get to 52 games like the Mavericks did last year. And it's a little difficult to to figure where they might land this year with the West improving. Like, Luca in his career, he's played 264 regular season games. The most games he's ever played in a season was his rookie year, where he played 72. Then in 1920, he played 61, which is his career low. 2021, he played 66, which is actually pretty good compared to the number of games that season. Mm -hmm. And then this last year, he played uh, 65. Um, but as we all know, his sort of best year, where he looked and played, in in my opinion, his best basketball was his second year, where he came in guns a blazing, looked fantastic, and was ready to go. Only he had some ankle, like some lingering ankle issues for most of of 2020, basically right up until the shutdown. And I, it's just being Luca dependent has so many potential drawbacks that I don't think people are really willing to entertain at this point in time. And what drives me crazy is I don't know why. Like, it's okay this guy is the engine. We all know that. But you're also overly reliant on him if you're going to let Jalen Brunson, or, you know, let is is kind of maybe not a fair term. Jalen Brunson walks away, and you're not able to replace him at all. Like, I'm not, I'm not really not interested in the Christian Wood is replacing Jalen Brunson stuff. Like, that sort of drives me nuts. Where do you fall with, with my soliloquy?
2: I mean, I would agree, especially with that, like, Christian Wood is not replacing Jalen Brunson, especially when you got him and, you know, made it, like, the impression that he was going to come join with Jalen Brunson and Luka. You can't walk it back and then say, oh, well, he's replacing him. It doesn't work like that. So I I would agree with that. Like everyone just saying that it's trying to pivot. You know, no, nothing wrong with a good pivot, but um, we can't lie. <laughs> we can't lie, as well. So I just think um, I mean, I with with that being said, like even with the frustrations, at the same time, I don't want us to make another rash move. In the sense of you know, like I feel like I this is why I don't really play around with the trade machine because I feel like you have Me to be a good you know, you have to be a bit delusional when you do that Every <laughs> um, time. Yeah. So I, when I do it, I always come up with stuff that are really unrealistic. And, but that's besides the point. The point is that I would hope we're not um doing things like trading a first one. Cause I, I mean, I know you feel a similar way, but I wholeheartedly believe like that weed or fate was kind of sealed with that 2019 off season with what we did. And with that I just think like even then I was saying that we're kind of stuck after that this is what being stuck is so yes it's frustrating but this is kind of anticipating with where with what where we were and what we did so I just think that we have to tough this like hard part out we can't do anything rash that's when people are saying oh trade this person and this person for like a guy like Kyrie I'm like You have to understand the ramifications of things like that. People were harping on Westbrook because of cap space for like. You have to understand that those kind of moves are what got us in the you know in the hole right now in the first place. So you can't keep making those same mistakes, especially when the people are trying to trade for. They're they aren't slam dunks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're talking about Kyrie and Westbrook. Like you know what I mean? Like I just think you have to be careful, and I think that's what they're. You know, maybe trying to do, but at the same time, like McGee being your first signing out the gate and that being your only thing thus far and waiting for, you know, fallouts here and waiting. I don't like the waiting game. You no. know what I mean? I think sometimes it might be beneficial, but of- oftentimes, especially now when it looks like there's a stalemate going on, it's like you ruin your own plans. So I think, um, i think they can't be done with even with them trying having or needing to be patient they can't be done at the same time
1: well and here's where this gets very uncomfortable so
2: mavs fans
1: fall into two camps in my opinion mavs fans and luca fans Mm -hmm. and that's okay That's not a criticism. That's just a statement of of fact. Like you have a lot of people that are going to follow Luca the same way. People follow Kyrie, follow LeBron. It's the nature of, of how basketball fandom has changed some stuff. But some of this would be a lot easier to discuss if we all understood that Luka Doncic was playing an active role in what's going on with the team. And in my opinion, with what we have seen and heard, that is not the case. You know, he might have let it be known that he'd be fine with them moving Porzingis. He didn't ask him to move Porzingis. He clearly wasn't involved as his, you know, uh, as his national team running mate once again flirted with the Mavs on basketball Tinder only to go somewhere else. And it's very, like, it, it just, you have a limited number of cards you can play at any given time when you have a superstar. When the Mavericks draft... Luca by having and you know they they fell in the lottery they had sent a draft pick then you move two more draft picks to go get Porzingis I understood this at the time that this, it was going to be difficult but now that we're almost three years later it, I guess I still didn't understand how difficult it was and they're sort of stuck and and this really might be the year that the Mavericks sort of I say I've been saying like take their medicine where they have to reload a little bit and and I guess I I've kind of made my peace with it. Because I think it's going to be really kind of an ugly basketball year if you're only going to have two to three ball handlers. But I also don't know what that floor looks like because they won 52 games. The over-under just came out, the first one at least, at 47.5, which is just really good if you like betting because I, I would probably pick the under. Now, that's not to say I think the Mavericks will be bad, but these last two years they had one game, um, let's see here, 20 – Let me look at the run. So 2021, they had, they were a three way tie for fifth place. They just happened to get fifth place. Mm This last year, they were a four, you know, four seed. All it takes is two more losses and all of a sudden you're a six seed. So it's like, if the Mavericks lose a couple more games, do I think that makes them a worse team? I, I, I don't necessarily, I I just feel like their ceiling has been lowered for this year. I, I don't really know much of where I feel about their floor and I'm going to have to watch them play basketball because. I don't know. It just it feels like they they're they're they moved away like they're moving away from what works because they you know it's they're going to be playing bigger basketball. I don't know. I, I I hate being like this at this point in the off season because I had really it was so like the the regular season and the postseason was so much fun and now it's just so am, like so ambiguous. It's kind of uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, and I mean, listen, losing your second best player for nothing at all would, would do that, but. <laughs> I I'm I'm sorry. I'm a bit annoyed by the situation again today. Just thinking about it, um, like rehashing it, it makes Let me it out. angrier. It makes me angry just because of how it all went down. I mean, I I get he felt disrespected or whatever, but like, well, damn, way to you know return the favor on your way out. But um, I mean, regardless, I think. I, I mean, I do agree that the ceiling is a bit lower, lower, especially like you can't just take away a shot creator and not replace, replace it with any shot creation. I think you're doing pretty much anything in the playoffs. That's not gonna right. happen,
0: right? But
2: in the regular season, um, we c- could be okay. You know, that being said, if, if Luca is, you know, right. And the thing with the Mavericks is that the past couple seasons, we've come out the gate slow. And regardless of what people try to tell you, part of it, not all, um, but part of it is directly tied to Luca coming into the season out of shape <laughs> as well. yeah, like he's not the main reason why they lose a lot in those you know first cup like first quarter, i guess of games. um but he, he contributes <laughs> especially this year this year it was very egregious, if you ask me, in terms of his play. <laughs> and um he was actively tanking games he he was um, so I think if he can. Not do that, and you know, come in come into the season. You know, come in hot right right away. Like you said, his second year um was really damn good. I feel like I mean, this might be a bit unpopular, but I think his third year, like, is his best year after he got over the f- first part. But I get why people like the second year. Stats were gaudy. We were damn good. We were what sixteen and what six after like twenty one games. We were very good. And Luca was very good that first 21 games, basically. So I think if we can um, replicate that. And if you look at it, similar style of ball was played. Because at that time, we were starting, I know the league has changed a bit, but we were starting um, two bigs. We are starting Porzingis and Powell. And that was when Porzingis was god-awful. Porzingis was very bad <laughs> during that stretch, too. But we were, I mean, I know they're saying Wood is coming off the bench, but I'm sure we're going to see Wood-Nigui lineups, too. Um, but I don't know. I I guess we'll have to see. I'm not too worried about the regular season if again Luca's healthy and we get a good amount of health from the rest of the guys. But listen, an injury to one of that one of those top guys, and I don't I we I don't think we're going to just be floating like we did last year.
1: Sure. Sure. I mean the the start of the season you I don't think you participated but you you had to witness one of the arguments in the group chat today the Mavericks started off 17 and 18 and then they went 35 and 12 (laughs) and the they found something yes they started playing defense the schedule worked out whatever you want to call it It, things started clicking before Dinwiddie got to the team it was just Mm -hmm. things just worked I mean I'm of the opinion that they went back to playing Luka ball and they stopped some of the silly offensive stuff. Like, do you remember the first game of the season when they posted up Dorian Finney Smith twice? Yes. Like like, they, they don't, they didn't do that stuff. Like I I appreciate Jason Kidd a great deal. Sean Sweeney. I think the coaching staff did an excellent job, but like there were some things attributed to the fact that maybe it was Luca just deciding to put his head down and get to the rim. And I, you know, Trey Young said something in the start of like the season last year. Where he's just like, This is boring. I want to get to the playoffs, basically. And then they proceeded to be a playing team. Yeah. And the, the Mavericks have to watch for that trap. It, getting started and playing well and finishing well in the regular season. I think home court was pretty important to the Mavericks in the Utah series. But there's a fairly large contingent of Mavs fans that think Utah was so bad that. It, the Mavs were kind of destined to win. I mean, Brunson hit six threes in game two. That was very close to being an O two hole. I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a little nuts in that I want to give this Mavericks team a great deal of credit because they won the games, but they also won some things like on the edge of a knife. And taking. if, if they do happen to take a little bit of a step back, I don't think that's going to – I'm saying this now. I'm full of shit. I don't think that's going to make me that mad because – this is just sort of the, the bind they got themselves in over kind of years of mismanagement by Donnie Nelson. And, and I want to give everybody a bit of a chance. Like I I really have been waffling on Nico because I think he was kind of given an empty cupboard to play with and they've made some chicken salad out of chicken shit. And it just, it, it feels like this is going to be kind of one of these transition years where we all, you know, meaning Mavs fans kind of like argue with each other over things we don't have any say in, anyways. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we always argue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just think about whatever, so arguments are always going to be there. But I think, um, I mean, I think a lot of people are looking to this off season to see what Nico could do, mm. um, especially since like last off season, you know. The moves weren't popular at first. Like, I mean, a lot of the thing is, I don't want to rewrite history. The it was positive with some of the guys we got. Like Reggie Bullock was a positive signing. Like everyone agreed that he fit. Probably like like
1: the best signing of the last four years.
2: Yeah, and at the and I know he started off slow and people soured a bit. I soured a bit. I'm people, but a um, lot of shots to be fair. (laughs) But at that time when the signing happened, people liked it. And um, but you know Sterling Brown, that people the problem with last offseason is that people didn't think that they'd be done, Um like all the other offseasons. But, you know, people settled on the fact that, hey, Nico just got there. And, you know, he had hit home runs with his signings, you know, apart from Sterling Brown. But um, with the Finwitty <laughs> trade, obviously with that working out, even Berton's looking a bit useful after people thought he was like the worst player in the association, Um Everyone gave him his powers for that. But it was like, okay, here's your first full off season with the you know, with the Mavs. Let's see what you can do. And with how it's gone. I mean, if you look at um I wish I had this tweet pulled up. I think I remember the um the gist of it. But it was basically like the three priorities of the Mavs. They wanted to get winged depth. Yep. They wanted to get a rim protector, and they wanted to re sign Brunson. they (laughs) they have done one of those things Uh Um, and or and and, and let's be fair they have done
1: one of those things arguably i am not a Javale mcgee fan like he is gonna be my age when that contract is over and i am not a youth like there's some there's some real like i i there's there's got to be a healthy middle ground between this is fine and this is a disaster but luca himself was kind of like uh, i don't know and and you know that's gotta you know that's just gotta say this is it just hasn't been very fun like it, it <laughs> it's been a really kind of spoiled dessert after a really fun season
2: yeah and my thing is i like i said i understand copium and all that with people mm. saying well javel is better than pow that has i'm sorry i'm That has frustrated me so much because I understand, especially with, you know, the season ended, like we were on a high going to Western Conference Finals, but we got, you know, spanked in five. (laughs) Like, it wasn't really even close. So it kind of went out like on a bittersweet note. So like the the copium and the scapegoat is that, oh, Dwight Powell was just so bad. And I think it's turned into an unfair conversation because instead of saying, yes, he was bad in the playoffs, Dwight Powell is not a playoff player. Like, Mm. I think we should know this. Like, we know he's not up, like, even before going into it, like, your expectations shouldn't have been Powell is playing huge minutes in the playoffs. If that was your expectations, I'm sorry. That's not good. Um, That's not good anticipation for what's to come. And But he was also a big part of the reason why our season turned around. And I feel like people are rewriting that to say, like, Powell star. like Powell was not a problem for us in the regular season. He was not. Um, especially like I mean, other than the beginning of the season where everyone was bad. Um, you can't just say it was just him. Starting the new year, he averaged double figures on crazy efficiency. Like yep. he was pretty good. So like McGee is going to be a very marginal upgrade to that kind of production in the regular season,
1: and he's not a playoff player. either. and he's like, not playing share. there either.
2: Exactly, like it's we crazy. played them off the floor. We that's my thing. We were the ones that played him off the floor. It would be different if it was the other team, and you're saying it. we did that to him. We let we allowed the Suns to start or not start, but play Bismack Biyombo over Javale McGee, and the fact that we were in a boxing match with the Bucks. To get him, gave him a player option, told him that he could come here and start. That's a bit nuts to me. I'm so sorry. Like, yes, he's going to be a little upgrade of a pile. He's fine on the team, but under those circumstances, that's nuts. I'm sorry. It
1: is nuts, man. Well, I had a whole like I have a whole laundry list of more ridiculous basketball questions to ask you, but we're coming up on about a half hour. And I want you to come back. So I'm going to store these. And we're going, you know, we're maybe for some, if if we're all bored in late August, I think uh, I I have some really delightfully stupid debate topics to kind of delve in on. But I I think you and I are kind of of the same mind. You know, team building is hard. Mm -hmm. The Mavericks haven't done great. We're not going to crush them just yet, mainly because I don't feel like dealing with everybody yelling at me, um, (laughs) which maybe that makes me a coward. I don't know. Um, but I I appreciate you taking some time out of your week to come on. So I've I plugged your show once. I'm going to do it again. 21 going on 77. Uh, you all record a couple of times. Uh, at least let's just say three and a half times a month. Um, yes. and <laughs> we'll go. I'm gonna. So you guys should go subscribe. They post on where all do you post? Spotify, Spotify, Apple, um Google Podcast, Radio Public. Uh I'm gonna I'll link to all of those in the show notes. And I'll probably write an article about this too if I if I find the time. Um any other hot takes you wanna get out get out before we uh we head on with our evening?
2: Um not a well, I don't know if it's a hot take, but um OG Ananobi, it's I think it's his birthday today. He will be a Maverick someday. And it Ooh. could be could be as soon as this season if um Masai, I need to get in touch with him. Spicy um, Yes, but OG and Anobi will be a Maverick.
1: I love that. All right, guys. I'm going to be sure to check the show notes and look for all this stuff. It's been Kirk and SJ. This has been a delightful way to spend my Monday evening. I appreciate your time so much. And we will be back. I don't know when I'll be back. I'm going to host a live show at some point tomorrow. But... I don't know. Like, I'm so bad about this. Like, when I start working, and you know, I, 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 when I start working, I'm great. When I stop working, picking it back up again is really hard for me. And I turned it off for like five solid days, and doing nothing was awesome. (laughs) I need to do it more (laughs) often. All right. This has been Kirk, your enthusiasm with SJ. We had a great time, and we will talk to you guys a little later in the week.